Hello, I'm Nicola. And I'm Amy. And this is the Imperfect PT Podcast. The pod to remind you that when it comes to your health, fitness and nutrition, there is no such thing as perfect. We want to reassure you that any step towards a healthier version of you is better than no step at all and share our own experiences of how we also, quite often, are proudly imperfect. Let's celebrate progress over perfectionism. So the what were the better meals? What were the less ideal highlights, lowlights of your eating experience <laughs> whilst on holiday? So I went to Scotland though, didn't I? So I had haggis and black pudding. I oh, see. I've never had haggis. Have you? Had to be fair, that doesn't surprise me. Oh, I'm not generally a relatively you know. I'll, I'll You'll try most, things. Most things are good. Yeah, I like I haggis. haggis. It's very pepper. Do you like black pudding? I love black. pudding. Oh, you love haggis. Mm. It's very peppery. Okay. It's quite grainy. So whereas, yeah, black pudding isn't very grainy. Whereas um, haggis has got a bit of pancetta. Oh, black pudding. pudding in a big barn cake with a fried egg and a bit of square egg, sausage. Definitely. Yeah, and even a hash brown if you want to make that really sexy. But yeah, haggis is really good. It's really peppery. It's really grainy. And we had it in this pub in Fort William with these little homemade oat cakes. Oh, beautiful. And then we had a burger and chips as well, which was really nice. And then I, we had a lot of whiskey. Mm. I am actually, credit to my best friend Holly, um, who is, her husband is half Scottish. And like, my ex-boyfriend was Scottish, but he didn't like whiskey at all. So I never got into it, whereas Holly is into whiskey. So she got me quite into whiskey. See, uh- I'm not a connoisseur of whiskey by any measure, but I remember growing up, my dad used to just give us a little smell of his Scotch whiskey, yeah. and that would turn my stomach. I used to really? Think, what I is you the were going to say turn oh, me on. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that in my family. Um, no, he, I used to think it was the devil's work. It was disgusting, but now nothing better than oh, you like it now? Whiskey and ginger. <gasps> It sounds so old-fashioned, yes, but whiskey no. and ginger. Oh, my God. Over See, ice. I really liked it. And I bought... We ended up buying a bottle of Ben Nevis whiskey, and it was mm. bottled on the day that we climbed Ben Nevis. Oh, that's cool. And my biggest regret is that I only bought the small bottle because I'd finished it by the time I came home, and I was gutted. And then I was giving it to some other friends that I was staying with, and they were like, oh, have it with water. And I was like, no, no I like the burn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so drunk a lot of whiskey. Yeah, drunk a lot of whiskey, haggis, black pudding. What else did I have? Had quite a bit of Asian street food when I was in York because I love street food. I love all that scene and like they had quite a lot of Thai. So I had a lot of Thai street food. I had a corn dog, which Mm. was like deep fried corn dog, half mozzarella. That was pretty filth, but that was good. Um, What else? A lot of... um, fudge so i had a big block of fudge no we had this discussion earlier i know i'm fudge i love chocolate i love fudge i love cake uh what else did i have did i have much else sweet stuff oh i had ice cream when i was in bambra um lot of not as much seafood as i'm sure you did but we were talking earlier weren't we my favorite thing was i went and took myself off on my own for a very fancy lunch in a nice pub um, it's like a hotel pub restaurant on the side and it's so funny when you go on your own as like a woman in your mid-30s and I had like my camera my rucksack had my laptop with me and I turned up and I'm like table for one please and they look at you like oh I'm like yeah just, just me. me I'm good uh, and then yeah I sat down and the funny thing was I decided that that day I wasn't gonna have a drink 
So I sat down and I said, oh, um, can I have a non-alcoholic beer, please? And she said, oh, I think it's Peroni. And have you ever tried the alcohol-free Peroni? Yeah. It's rank. Uh, yeah, it's really not worth it. Well, I didn't I like it. I like, it. like, Heineken Becks. I like the ales, but the Peroni is absolutely rank. And as soon as she said it was Peroni, I was like... No, you were right. I'm going to have a glass of Chenon Blanc, please. <laughs> so I had a glass of wine and a massive fish platter, which was insane, and an oyster. And that was beautiful. Yeah. Really, really nice. But yeah, I had some had some real good food in um in Scotland. It's just nice not to it was nice not to be in a routine of eating, let's say like a schedule of eating like I usually am, like because my days are very structured. And it was nice to look at a menu and be in the place I am now. And I'm sure we'll come on to talking about this, but have a bit more food freedom. Yeah. And also I really like eating some let's say less than optimal meals because I like tuning into how food does make me feel Mm. um I'm always going to be the one to overeat and I'm always going to be the one to eat way past the point of fullness just because that's how I was brought up and I'm greedy and I like food so but it was nice to think about how different food was making me feel and what I could tolerate and what I couldn't tolerate Mm. so that yeah that was really interesting what about you well food is a big part of holiday isn't it it's that luxury of finding different places to go every day, uh, scouting, you know, the local cuisine, obviously. Rustic is always better. I mean, you look at some of these beautiful, fancy restaurants, but you know the ones that are slightly more squally. Yes. (laughs) Like one speaks English, you know they're going to be better meals. Um, So it's, it's, it's such a nice experience just to do that. To know that you're not cooking oh, or cleaning up, the best. It's also a benefit. Yeah. Um, no. So for us, we're, so I've just been uh, to, down to Marbella for a couple of weeks. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Um, best meal again. It was one of the more rustic, local Spanish yeah. restaurants. Yeah. Uh, local fish, Rosada. Oh god, it's just beautiful, nice meaty white fish. Yeah. Um, done very simply. And then some of the worst was actually oh. the tapas. Oh, yeah. You've never been that. a fan, I've got to say. All very oily, too greasy, generally a lot of fried stuff. Yeah. Now, where you, you talk about you like to sort of overindulge or, you'll, you know, you'll pick yeah. some of the less optimal uh, versions of stuff that you would do here. I know that if I do that, I'd like I like to try it every so often, but I know it always bites me in the arse. Really? And when I'm on holiday, I don't need that upset tummy. Or oh, okay, yeah. The greasier I go, the worse effect yeah. it has on my stomach. Yeah. So, like, I try and... I do... I enjoy eating fresh mm. fish. Um, yeah, whatever the local stuff is. Yeah. Absolutely love it. We did cook a little bit as well, so we like staying in apartments and stuff. So I had three home-cooked meals pretty much while I was there so a lovely roast dinner with an amazing joint of roast beef and the most incredible Yorkshire puddings they were really good as well and then we did fajitas one night and then we did sausage mash from the butchers amazing Mm. like these gorgeous massive like Catherine wheel Cumberland sausages Mm. so they were really good as well Mm. and it's nice but it's like you were saying this morning when we were talking it's nice to come back and just have a vegetable that oh, isn't yeah. coated in butter and yeah. oil. Even like when you order salads, like, you know, yeah, you like know. dressings. It's very hard to kind of get something yeah. that hasn't got those added cooking processes yeah. that make it a little bit richer and, let's face it, flavoursome. And so, so very tasty. But yeah. yeah, the amount of olive oil I've probably consumed in the last two weeks beyond <laughs> comprehension. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, I guess that sort of leads on to the purpose of today's pod. Welcome back, listeners. 
Um, we're going to shift the focus slightly today. Uh, the previous episodes that we've talked on, really, we focused on training principles, our training history, that sort of thing. So today we're switching the focus from that to nutrition and fessing up on the multitude of mistakes <laughs> that we've made over the years and those that we commonly see repeated by the clients that we work with and the people we talk to. Um, we're going to discuss the mistakes um, in depth. Um, I've done, I did some prep in the lead up to, to this, just bashing out some ideas, how we might structure things. And I was actually quite shocked at how long my bullet points started <laughs> to go on for. And this could well turn into a two, three, four-part series, quite frankly, because there is so much that yeah. we have both done over the years and been, yeah, been shocked that we could have repeated so many times over the years. And some stuff I think we realise we have left behind completely. Yeah. But like we were just talking about before we started recording, some stuff we are still practising. Some of these mistakes are very common and they're not actually technical. So they're not actually the doing, they're the thinking, they're the mental side of it, which if any of you resonate with any part of this podcast about having mental struggles around your food around your eating around nutrition these you you can make these things easier and you can move away from these things but I'm never going to say that you're necessarily going to be fixed like these are things that Nikki and I still have to practice every single day being professionals and I work with clients and it's that classic thing of do as I say, not as I do, because sometimes we still get this wrong. And I am the first one to hold my hands up and say, I quite often eat way past the point of fullness, way overindulge, still maybe demonize foods a little bit in my head, yeah. even though I know that it's absolute rubbish. But um, for every second that I have the thought, I might have four where I have the corrective behavior yeah. but it is still a practice so yeah. yeah it's just like training you still have to do those mental yeah. mental maths as well, well around it's, these it's an interesting time to record this pod actually and talk and focus on nutrition having just come back from a yeah. two-week holiday um because in my in my previous times in focusing on nutrition i used to i'm you know very much was a victim of the sort of binge restrict cycle so that was something I was probably doing over the course of my yeah 20s and 30s of heavily heavily restricting um obviously with the goal in mind of trying to shift weight and that would often be in the lead up to a holiday so I would be massively restricting on calories restricting food groups that sort of thing um to then go on holiday overindulge massively come back punish myself for the following two three four weeks just trying to undo the damage that I might have done on holiday um and so it's been interesting to go away and come back and try to apply some better strategies when I've come Mm. back and actually enjoy the moment enjoy the holiday take it for what it is you know lovely time spent with family enjoying new experiences enjoying new cuisines and trying to leave the guilt behind Mm -hmm. And guilt over what? Frankly, all I'm doing is going out and having some really lovely meals with family. So it was it was interesting to see if I'd finally sort of broken free of some of the the yeah the more negative behaviours that I've demonstrated in the past. I would say even just from speaking to you today. So today, the first time I saw Nikki for two weeks and um, was when she turned up for her PT session this morning, and ooh, it was so lovely. And the one thing that stood out to me. Like in the previous years, you'd be like, 
oh, I feel awful, I feel fat, oh, I drunk so much, oh, I just feel so bad. All you could talk about today was how good a time you had. Yeah. You um, were like, we had the best time. Honestly, it was one of the best holidays ever. We had so many good moments. Like, I had a great time. Like, you were just gushing over how good a time you had. Yeah. And that's that was something I've really noticed. Yeah, yeah. and that, that is a big change from previously. I'd come home and it would be uh, a good two, three, maybe four weeks of absolute self-hatred, self-loathing. What have I done? Why couldn't I, you know, stay in check? And that would be the only thing I'd focus on yeah. rather than, yeah, what was the what was the actual holiday yeah. like? Um, so, yeah, this, is, this has taken a long time, but it's kind of identifying, well, what, what was the issue there? What was going on? And I think it was mistake number one that we're going to talk about, um, applying too heavily restrictive or going for too few calories yeah as an approach yeah let's get straight into it then so when we work we've got pretty much a five points of what we're going to work through about new common nutrition mistakes Mm. that we have both made and that we see most commonly made with other people Mm. but we're gonna expand on each of these and yeah number one is being too restrictive with calories for a start. So yeah, talk through your experience with that. Like you say, yeah, you're talking about a lead up to a holiday, but just in general, when somebody approaches a diet, they tend to think the lower the better. And that's not wrong, effectively. That is not wrong. The more of a deficit you can create with your calories, technically the more weight you are going to lose. But what is the problem, Nick, with being too restrictive with your calories? Well, the main problem is it's completely unsustainable. Yeah. And so eventually, under-eating will only lead to massively binging because you cannot sustain it long-term. Your mm-hmm. body eventually gives in. You crave all the things that you've said are off-limits mm-hmm. and that you will plunge head-deep into the nearest tub of Ben and Jerry's mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you've been depriving yourself of. Yeah. So the, 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 the main issue is you cannot adhere to it long-term. Yeah. So therefore... Any progress you make, you are going to trip yourself up because eventually yeah. you're you're going to then end up yeah. binging or yeah, yeah. or going hell for leather. And like obviously when we talk, we're talking about a very a very, you know, normal I say normal in wanky air quotes, like average woman, man in a Western society with all the societal structures and food available that we have available to us in a country like anywhere in Europe, in America, you know, we're talking about somewhere where you are are not poor, you're not, like food is very easily accessible to Mm. you. So, because if you are able to maintain a deficit, a very restrictive calorie deficit for a long time, you will lose weight. Ultimately, you'll starve. Ultimately, you'll die because that is how, that is why we need food. But the problem with over-restricting is in the modern day society, we have far too many drivers to eat that are outside our, what we call homeostatic or our biological hunger. So we have the habits and the routines that we make. We have smells, we have sights, we have tastes, we have social behaviors, social interactions, cultural behaviors. We have all these different drivers. If, if you are trying to diet on say, a thousand calories between 1,000 and 1,200 calories a day and 
you've got a very busy life you know you're trying to train at the same time you've got all these different drivers to eat you're trying to look after a family it's very unrealistic it's very 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 unrealistic and whilst you can lose weight you can do that for four or five days and you're going to start feeling like shit (laughs) and like Nick said it's those other external influences to eat that are going to cause you to want to actually then participate in the overindulgence of food because you become very food preoccupied yeah and it's all those things that you have you've deemed as bad foods or that are off limits they're the first things you go for as soon as your whatever it is your your willpower as soon as it buckles Mm. or frankly you just get so freaking hungry yeah you're just reaching for the first most available thing and often that's convenience processed food yeah you're grabbing on the run because you are so desperate to eat Um, and definitely a preoccupation it's that thing of just you're constantly thinking about food because you're damn hungry all the time let's face it if you're overweight or you're trying if you're very 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 overweight you can lose a lot of weight very easily if you need to lose weight for health reasons if you don't need to lose that much weight you probably just want to feel a bit more comfortable in your clothes therefore you probably like food Mm. so actually trying to diet is going to be difficult and we're very fortunate we're not starving so hunger is not something that we're very used to or that we have to be used to so if you are overweight you're very likely to not have experienced that much physical hunger Mm. so that first pang of hunger especially when you get into it can be very uncomfortable and when I'm working with clients I say look hunger is good like you you're not going to die you're not going to starve so you can actually work through that hunger you also it's positive reinforcement that you're in a calorie deficit Mm. the danger is you don't want to get too hungry because then you very very quickly can overindulge like nick said and then binge but hunger is a good thing like we don't want to demonize hunger Mm. because it is a good thing but if you're going too low for too long and you're not you're not focused and too attached to why you're doing this and actually we didn't write this down Nick but also a lot of people start diets without having an end point if you want to do a four week super low calorie fast quick like shred and you know right four weeks buckle in I get to this point and I'm done and you can do that awesome but too many people go on too restrictive diets with no end point and all of a sudden three four five six months they're like oh my god i can't do this forever this is too much and i need to just go and get a tub of ben and jerry's yeah so yeah definitely definitely being too restricted with the calories um so that alongside probably implementing or let's say over complicating and introducing too many rules and too many well it's got to tick this box that box otherwise oh well i'm you know i'm not achieving anything 100 percent. um so so, that was number two we had on didn't we so many rules and restrictions around your diet so and that can be anything from cutting out certain food groups so no carbs focus or cutting out fat completely low fat low this that just so many restrictive patterns that again are not sustainable long term it's almost setting yourself up for failure um in that there are so many tick boxes um but there is no way that in your average week with all the other lifestyle factors going on all the other pressures in life there is no way that you're going to be able to tick all those off we've got two things there really so we've got like the cutting out the whole food groups and demonizing certain foods if we come to that first and we talk about 
like what have you done i've done the dukan diet which is basically just protein i've gone low carb i've done um i don't think i've done keto but i've definitely done like fasting i've definitely demonized certain foods oh i definitely was clean eating um for a while so that is basically eating things as single ingredient as possible close to the source I did Carol Vorderman's juice diet. Ooh. Yeah. Right. I remember mum and I watched the video when we did Carol Vorderman's juice diet. That was pretty low point. You were telling me about your Weight Watchers journey. My, my Weight Watchers journey was pre-wedding. Yeah. Uh, the turning point for me, I turned up to a dress fitting. You, you know, when you're young, you do imagine you're going to walk into this boutique shop and you're going to be surrounded by all these beautiful mm, wedding never gowns. Never that, uh, Not yet. Um, <laughs> walk in think it's going to be yeah this kind of amazing fairy tale experience where you're trying on all these amazing dresses i went into a changing room i tried on about three dresses i looked disgusting in everything i put on i was next to a very skinny young girl in the changing room next to me who came out and everything she tried on looked amazing so it was that fairy tale moment that i thought was going to be so special and i'd feel like an absolute princess and yet there i was sobbing <laughs> in oh the changing room because i i hated everything i put on and was staring at a body that i just absolutely loathed so that was the point i went home that evening uh and joined weight watchers oh and God. so i think yeah it was probably a good nine months before the wedding yeah. and it worked i lost two two and a half stone on weight watchers counting the points of everything I consumed but as I described to you earlier it wasn't that then I was on a healthy nutritious diet I wasn't I was eating whatever packaged Weight Watchers junk just because I I, it would fit with my my point score yeah so my my diet was horrendous probably if I look back my health was in no better shape by the end of that yes I'd lost the weight but I wasn't in a healthy body at that yeah. stage. Yeah. Um, and of course, then you've got the pre-wedding nerves and all the rest of it. And, you, you know, you're, you're, you're on tenterhooks. Anyway. So, it, yeah, Weight Watchers was probably the unhealthiest way I've ever lost weight. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. But that was for a short-term period. Yeah. Um, would I ever go back on that now? Hell no. Because, yeah. as I say, the quality of that diet was absolutely atrocious. It's, but it's not just cutting out the food groups as well. So, first of all, the big problem with cutting out carbs is carbs we utilise for energy. Yeah. Yes, there are certain demographics of people out there that should maybe minimise their intake of certain carbohydrates. So, I'm talking about people with type 2 diabetes. I'm talking about some menopausal women i'm talking about some women with pcos again these should all be discussed with the doctor and a dietitian or a nutritionist at the time um because just because you have pcos or you are entering the menopause doesn't mean necessarily you should cut out carbs in fact there's a large demographic of people of which that's going to be detrimental but like you know there are certain demographics out there where that can be useful fasting can be useful you know the common thing at the moment is me and my intolerance so you know gluten-free lactose-free all these things cutting out all these food groups um but you've got then also like processed food when i was doing the clean eating thing oh my god like anything that had a label or was in a package i was like i can't eat that i can't eat that i can't Mm. eat that it demonized so much Mm. and it made socializing very miserable and boring Mm. as well i didn't eat for i didn't eat out for a long time yeah i think Um, we can both say that we've 
over the years avoided certain social situations just because we thought that's going to put us in a slightly tricky position where I'm not fully in control of what's being cooked for me what's being presented what's available to me or not being able to trust myself in certain situations Mm. that because I've heavily restricted all week and I'm bloody ravenous I'm going to rock up to that party or that buffet and I'm going to nosedive and then yeah it's going to be it's going to be a shocker. But it's not just the restriction of the food groups also. When we say about cutting out whole food groups and demonising certain foods, it's the language that we use mm. around food. And if anyone gets into a conversation with me about food, they will know and see that I get very antsy and defensive yeah. about this and quite picky because there are no good and bad foods. Oh, that's good. I've had a really good day. I've had a good bad day. Jane... Mother Ram said, I'm calling you out on this. You're like, I'm trying to be good. You know, we all know what you mean, but it's just that insinuation that something that is less than optimal for your health is going to mean that you've had a bad day of eating. Um, Even things that are less than optimal for your health, unless you're eating lard, there are still things in pizza and burgers that are good for your health. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's that whole good, bad, process, healthy, unhealthy. Calling something healthy and unhealthy, mm. that's rubbish. There are so many definitions of health. So I get quite like, I get a little bit of like Tourette's twitch when I start to hear yeah. language like that. But we've all said it in our head. And I know we both, still fall into those patterns Completely. of saying it in You've our checked heads. me on numerous occasions yeah. things I've said. And yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of ingrained, you know, years and years of thinking things were either good or bad for yeah. you. Um, but again, I think where, where the over-restriction comes in, that's where we think, well, all I need to do is just remove the bad stuff. Yeah. Have a good day. The good day tended for me was the classic, right, I'm going to be good, Monday to Thursday and then I can sort of let loose a little bit come Friday and then actually just go hell for leather Saturday and Sunday and undo all of the work that I had done in that week and I was repeating that cycle week in week out wondering why I wasn't making progress and so therefore knowing I was falling into that trap I would then further tighten up Monday to Thursday so put in even more restrictions drop my calories even lower exercise even more just to make sure Mm. that I was making allowances for that naughty weekend that I kind of was allowing myself effectively instead of thinking well why don't I just try and make the weekends less bad by you know just maybe having half a bottle of Prosecco instead of a full (laughs) bottle or whatever it might be yeah yeah but just making yeah the bad days less bad rather than really still tightening up on the good already good days or the restriction days i say restriction days but like even those days just less restrictive like you know we're talking about cutting out whole food groups and demonizing things we had a little conversation just now like when you're on holiday and you lose track of days and you're out for dinner on a monday tuesday wednesday you know why can't you there's a book out there somewhere that i brought up called no one ever has sex on a tuesday and like, if you've been in a long-term relationship for a while and you've gone through a drought, you'll laugh when you hear that because you know exactly what it means. But if you're in this place of negativity and you're trying to diet and you're in a poor place mentally with food mm. and someone suggests going out for dinner on a Wednesday, mm. you'll be like, what? Well, I can't go for a Chinese on a Wednesday. Who does that? It's not going to fit within my like diet because then it, that means that I can't binge 
binge or actually overindulge at the weekend, which is when I want to overindulge. So we get too involved in the minutia yeah. of the like of what is going on with the diet. And then that kind of leads on to like point three, which is the too many rules and restrictions. So you know, say you've got your diet, say you've set it up, say you're trying to include all food groups, but then still you are not eating past 6pm, fasting till 1, not eating lactose, only eating chicken on a Thursday, not eating eggs unless they're free range and from a farm shop within a 10 mile radius and all that kind of stuff. But you're a mum of three that also has a part-time job and is trying to train for a half marathon. Like, there's too much going on yeah. there. There's way too much going on. Like, it's not... You're changing your behaviour to fit the diet rather than finding a way of eating that fits you. And you brought this up as something that I said to you the other day, didn't you? And you were like, oh my God, it's so true. What, what about having the diet? It was like, we, we all... When we we're not on a diet. We all we have, have a diet. A diet. Yeah. We all have a yeah. diet. Yeah. A way of eating. But we've all lived by that, haven't we? That, that as soon as you say oh, I am on a diet, that automatically suggests I am now going to be in a restrictive place yeah. where things are off limits. Yeah. That I have to be good for this set number of weeks or yeah. months that I'm on this diet, rather than thinking about it as being a long term process. Yeah. A long term health seeking process yeah. so i'm i'm doing this for longevity i'm doing this for life i'm going to do yeah. this consistently over the course of my life to put myself in the best most optimal health i can yeah. to elongate my life rather mm. than making poor choices along the way that is yeah. going to adversely affect my health yeah. so as soon as we start associating it with being on a diet we automatically set ourselves up for failure in, in my view and again this is this is something i'm only just coming to the realization of and i could kick myself for not waking up to this sooner yeah that it isn't about the next bloody holiday being in a bikini, whatever. It's not about the Christmas party. It's not about getting in a skimpy dress for a mm. friend's wedding. It's not that they aren't, aren't, aren't all valid reasons to want That's, to lose weight. Absolutely. But... but it's just the way we set ourselves up for these things. Yes. Yeah. Is seeing it so short term and then introducing restrictive practices yeah. um, that aren't sustainable, that we can't maintain, that as soon as we fail, we end up then kicking the fuck it bucket. And that's it it's all out the window and often with these rules and restrictions we put in place we take out the things that we enjoy mm. which is why the diet becomes hard so when we started working together around your nutrition yeah. i the first one of the first things i do with my clients is i go through right talk to me what a normal day of eating looks like in your house in your lifestyle where do you think your um where do you think you slip up or where do you think your problems are so you were saying to me, weren't you, about like your with the boys? Yeah, my yeah. my classic um, pattern of eating during the day was never touch breakfast. Still not a big fan, you know. I will yeah. admit, still not a big fan. I just uh, it just doesn't. I'm, I'm not hungry. Yeah. I, I don't wake up starving hungry. Yeah. I can easily go way past lunchtime before yeah. food even enters my mind. It's just how my body seems to. I didn't have breakfast today. I didn't eat till yeah. quarter to one. Yeah. I same. Uh, but that's very rare for me. But again, fluidity, flexibility. Yeah. And individuality. It's yes. about how your body responds yeah. to food yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, typically uh, no breakfast, a fairly limited lunch that might revolve around a bowl of fruit or something like that. Yeah. 
And then, surprise, surprise, my boys would come home from school at around about 3.30. I would find myself ravenously hungry, preparing Mm. them the classic after-school snacks. Uh, It might involve pita, hummus, cheese for them, whatever Mm. it might be. And funnily enough, I am then nosediving into the bread, the hummus, the cheese, the everything. Uh, You know, whatever they were eating, I was eating a mouthful of and then handing them the rest. Um, doing it completely without thought, doing it so that by the time, you know, they, they was, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it mindfully, let's just say, I was eating whatever I could get my hands on because I'd let myself get so hungry. Yeah. I would then think, well, I've had that, I can't possibly have a full dinner now. Mm. And so there you go, more restrictions. Yeah. So avoid a family meal. Um, and on and on and on it went like that. Um, until it got to the weekend when... Because, you know, there'd be social events or whatever. I would then be eating anything I could get my hands on thinking, well, it's okay, it's the weekend, Mm. it doesn't count. And one of the first things I said to you is, do you like that time with your boys? Do you like that? Do you enjoy that? Yeah. And you were like, yeah. 100% because it's, that's when we catch up on what they've done at school that day. Might not be their favourite part of the day, but I used to love it. Yeah. (laughs) Mum, I just want to go up to my bedroom. But like, uh, so what? What's important to do is you thought that that was the first thing you needed to stop doing. Yeah. But what did I tell you to do? To actually do sit, make it part of the day. Make yeah. it part of your everyday routine. Yeah. And prepare yourself something that you are happy to eat. It's optimal. It's serving the purposes. Yeah. That it's it off a plate it's, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I, I'm the classic of I stand in front of the fridge. Yeah. And I'm just picking yeah. whatever out of the fridge, stuffing it in my mouth. Yeah. So without even sitting down to enjoy it properly yeah. so yeah that was that, that was it was so obvious when you said it it yeah. just hadn't occurred to me but how those rules and restrictions and you thought you had to take that out whereas actually yeah. we lent into that behavior yeah. and that was when you were in a shred and then you actually we start we got you eating a little bit more breakfast we got you eating a bit more substantial lunch we got you eating a smaller snack yeah. off a plate and we got you enjoying a dinner and you ended up losing loads of body fat yeah. and you know the at the outset it was horrifying yeah. to go through that process to be told yeah. you need to eat more it was an absolute horrifying message to receive when okay how does that work amy i'm in a body i don't like now mm. you're telling me to eat more what the hell are you doing and I was terrified absolutely terrified I thought I would instantaneously balloon because I'm suddenly eating more but all that was happening is yes I was eating more but I was eating more consistently throughout the week therefore not allowing myself to get too hungry and they're the points when I got too hungry I was making poor choices Mm. so you're more satiated throughout the day and you're therefore Mm. making more sound sensible choices and also we changed up slightly what you ate, but also you were happier. Yeah. Yeah, you were sharing that moment with your boys for a start, which was really important to you, and you were making more of a meal of it, more yeah. of an actual, and I mean that metaphorically and physically, but you were making more of a thing of it, so it was a moment yeah. where you sat and enjoyed the food, a moment that was really important to you. So when we make all these rules and restrictions around food... A lot of the time they're around things that we always really enjoy, like dessert is a classic one or eating after dinner is a classic one. Whereas people just think, oh, I just need to stop snacking after dinner. Oh, like when I'm on the sofa with my husband. Well, actually, is that time when you're on the sofa with your husband the only time you get to spend with your husband during the week? 
Well, yeah, it is actually. And I really like it because we usually watch a series together and then we talk about it afterwards. Mm. And I'm like, brilliant. I fucking love stuff like that when people say that, things like that mm. to me. I'm like, right, you're going to keep doing that. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, but I usually have a share bag of... He has a share bag of Maltesers and then I just dunk in. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to have a bowl of Greek yogurt with a, some a bag of um, sweet popcorn that's like half the calories and you're going to have five Maltesers and he's going to dig into his sharing bag and you're going to have that as your dessert. And they're like, oh, I can have that. I'm like, yeah, and you're going to have it and you're going to love it and you're going to enjoy it and it's going to give you 20 grams of protein and you're still going to have that moment with your husband and you're not going to feel like you're restricted. Mm. And it's fucking mind-blowing to people but if they are your habits and they are things you like doing Mm. you don't have to change everything about your entire life this is what we mean about being so restrictive yes there's restriction with calories but yes there's the restrictions that you're putting on yourself in terms of how your day looks and what you enjoy Mm. so it's you can diet but you can still have a bloody good life yeah yeah because this is what this, this all these practices it's about being able to sustain them mm. over the long term consistently yeah. because we all know that consistency is key to reaching your goals whether it is weight loss whether it's muscle gain whatever yeah. it is yeah. consistency is always yeah. key boring as that sounds yeah. And it's like so whatever you. you can do over the long term is going to be more successful than just dipping in and dipping out and fucking 100% up. And Nick. It's like with you, like you you always say, like alcohol is your nemesis, yeah. especially at the weekend. If well, and on a two week holiday, and on a two week, yeah, we drank every day. Well, I drank every I drank every day in Scotland on a week oh, holiday, and I was driving most days. But you know, like in the evenings, I drank every day. Even on the one day I said I wasn't going to drink, I said I was yeah. like, I have a glass of shut up long. Um, But like, so there are weeks when, yes, you maybe have a goal that you will only have a couple of glasses at the weekend. There's also weeks where you're going to have two fucking bottles, Mm. you know, because that's what you choose to do. Mm. So when I work with clients, I'm not saying that you're never going to share a share bag of Maltesers on the sofa with your husband again. I'm just saying for this moment in time while you have this goal to achieve, Mm. maybe that's not the most optimal of behaviours that's going to get you to your goal there are going to be days weeks where you're like actually no tonight is a whole bag of Maltesers night and that's a conscious choice but you're going to make that the 10% of what you do rather than the 90% of what you do so a lot of this that we've just been talking about is all around mindset yeah and I had such a negative poor mindset um over the years um and it really came down to the word reframing so a lot of it was about changing the way I was viewing mm. the the restrictions, the the rules, the targets, all of that sort of thing. Mm. Looking at it as, will quite simply, will this food choice move me closer to my goal, or will it move me further away? Yeah. And it's a simple question to ask before you indulge in whatever it is you're about to indulge in. Will this bring me closer, or will it move the goal further away? Yeah. How important is the goal in the first place? Well, to me, long-term health, incredibly important. Yeah. But that said, it's also, I'm in the moment. This is a one of your classics. A-list. A-list moment. I'm at a family wedding. I'm on holiday on a rare occasion. Therefore, I'm going to enjoy this moment. Yeah. So, yes, I, I want this indulgence. No, okay, maybe if I did this every day, of course, it would screw me over completely yeah. and I'd end up not reaching my 
target weight, whatever, whatever. But in this moment, I'm going to enjoy this indulgence. What did I say to you this morning? I was like, you've just had a two-week holiday. What are you doing for the other 50 weeks Absolutely. of the year? Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, let's move on to point number four, nutrition mistakes that we've both made and we see very commonly. Too much focus on the scales and that weight-related progress. The scales, a.k.a. the sad step. Do you know, actually, mate, I haven't told anyone this. I bought some the other day. (gasps) What? Yeah, so if any of you have been following me on Instagram or you know about, like, you listen to the Not Another Fitness podcast, you'll know that um, I moved house very recently and I didn't have any scales. And I came back from holiday... And this is an insight into my mindset. And I thought, I'm going to tighten things up. But yeah, holiday, I just ate loads and drank loads. And it's it's the drinking for me. Like, you're self-confessed. You drink quite regularly. I don't drink very regularly. I'm enjoying alcohol a lot more than I used to. But I don't drink very regularly. So I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't like how it impacts my sleep. But I was drinking quite a lot. And I bought some scales because I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to see where I'm at. And I'm going to try a little mini cut and see if I can just get back to feeling lean again because I don't feel my best. Mm-hmm. I think I've had them for two weeks now. I haven't stepped on them yet. Why is that then? Fear. Mm. And how ridiculous is that? How fucking ridiculous is that? And that is the impact the scales have. We all know. I, I, I have mine hidden on the top floor of my house as far away mm. from life generally get it as far away from me so I don't have to look at them but I know they're up there and so I confessed to you earlier I weighed myself for the first time since December last year the day before we flew out to Spain just again to gauge um I knew I was taking a massive risk because I know the effect it can have on me mentally if I don't like the number I see on that scale I knew there was a danger I was going to put myself in a horrible frame of mind before the holiday, possibly then lead to restrictions on holiday or just not enjoying it to the fullest. Um, I got on the scale, having had quite a sociable couple of months. Summer has been, we've had lots of family birthdays, loads of events, just loads of stuff Mm. going on. And I've enjoyed myself at all of them. Um, Yeah, you know, generally following good practices during the week. um, But yeah, but enjoying life generally. Um, and I stepped on those scales and they hadn't really moved from December. So that's sort of six months of not tracking food, not being on a particular, you know, b- prescribed diet as such. Um, and yeah, nothing, nothing had changed. And I did, I did breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. But only because I knew I potentially otherwise, if I'd seen a number that it had been any bigger... I would probably enjoy my holiday less. Yes. And isn't that ridiculous mm. that that could have controlled my entire approach yeah. to my holiday? I, I do agree that scale weight for some people, it's just the accountability they yeah. need. So they just need to, like you said, check in every so often um, just to see where, where the, you know, the land lies. But for me, it's the damaging impact it can have on mindset, on mood, I mean, God, I I would I would punish myself in, back in the bad old days. I'd get on the, the scales and if I didn't like the number I saw, it would affect my yeah. entire mood for the rest of the day. Yeah. And, do you know, to the point where my husband would know oh. whether I'd weighed myself or yeah. not. And he even brought it up a couple of times. If I'd been particularly crabby, he would say, 
Nicola, did you wear yourself this morning? <gasps> Mate. <laughs> Red rag to a ball, but, yeah. you know. But it's like, he, it's, annoyingly, it's, he'd be right. It's like when my right. partner says, do you need to bleed? I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, how funny. But it, it, it honestly, hand on heart, it would have that kind of detrimental yeah. effect and it would plague me all day. And then, and then again, it goes back to the whole, well, Therefore, I need to rein it in. And that means yeah. heavily restriction. I don't know why I haven't ske- stepped on them. Because genuinely, I'd like to hand on heart genuinely say that I don't give a shit. But then that can't be true if mm. I haven't stepped on them. Mm. Because I know that that number has absolutely no bearing on who I am as a person. Yeah. You know, if you've ever... If I can recommend another podcast to listen to, it's Jamila Jamil's I Way, And she gets people listeners to write in and tell tell like the audience what they weigh at the end of the of the podcast and it's things like I weigh my bravery I weigh Mm -hmm. my um ability to hold my thoughts and feelings of my friends and I weigh my career I weigh my um my you know lovingness as a daughter you know like things like that I weigh my resilience Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's amazing like I know that I'm not that number but it's just that, why the fuck would I do it anyway? Yeah. Because I don't need something to tell me my gravitational pull to the earth. Mm. And I have, there are so many other markers of whether we are losing weight yeah. that are so much more important. And, you know, historically, I've put way too much number on what that number says without yeah. really knowing what that number is made up of. So there are more less, there are more tangible ways that we can, you know, monitor whether we're losing weight that are so much more important. So first of all, how you feel. Mm-hmm. Second of all, how you look in the mirror and how like genuinely and objectively you look in your body. Mm-hmm. Third of all, how your clothes feel, you know, how you're performing in the gym, how your energy levels are, how horny you are like whether you want to have sex or not like that's how whether you wake up in the morning and you're psyched for the day whether you're enjoying what you eat whether you're you know whether you're sleeping well you know I track a lot of my data using my whoop band and that's more heart rate variability respiratory rate body temperature so yes it's still data but that's all based in relation to my height but it doesn't know how much I weigh, you know. It's measuring how fit I am, so it's actually measuring how healthy I am. And I could put on two pounds, but I could look a lot smaller and be in a smaller body. And it wasn't until I started going into the realms of training and nutrition that I really understood that. And I've definitely seen that change in you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and th- that's why that the advice that I would give to anyone else who is as affected mentally by what the scale weight does um i'd say chuck them in the bin yeah or at least put them in the loft yeah. whatever measurements are better yeah go as you say clothes fit what you know what people might have commented and i know we shouldn't be that shouldn't just be about being told that you look great external Help. validation matters Absolutely. it does and we're going to be morons if we say it doesn't yeah. like we all want to be told that we look nice yeah yeah, yeah. um but just prioritizing the scale weight over quality of the nutrition how it's making you feel yeah um 
yeah, the, the, the way that your clothes are hanging off you, looking in the mirror and enjoying seeing your body composition. Mm. And that's, again, where I could kick myself. Is I, Maybe I've, I've done that. I've glanced in the mirror. I've thought, okay, no, I'm looking all right. I've then stepped on the scales, then yeah. seen a, a, a number I didn't like, and then looked at myself again and gone, oh, God, no, I look disgusting. Yeah. What yeah. is it? Why does it have such a big it's hole? bonkers, isn't it? Like, I looked at myself in the mirror today. Like, fair enough, the mirrors at the gym are very good. But I looked in the mirror today and I was like, I look fucking great. Mm. Like, considering I've only been on like home for, a, you know, 10 days, mm. I look awesome. And I, like, I overindulge slightly at the weekend. Like, I usually do, which is totally fine. Like, I'm, I, look, I look great. And that's really nice. And I don't think we have enough moments of actually celebrating that in ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah it's bizarre the way we can talk to ourselves. And that positive self-talk is a negative self-talk. The way we talk to ourselves, coming back into that language and how we use language around food, is that self-talk is really, really important. You know, if we're talking about food as well and about how we talk about food, like... Even if you are trying to limit the amount of less than optimal foods that you're eating, giving yourself that unconditional permission just by saying to yourself in your head, I have permission to eat this whenever I want. It's just a choice that mm. I'm not to, not that I'm choosing not to do right now because it's not in line with our goals. Mm. Like I've had I've done exercises with clients. I think I did this with you as well, where it's like, I want you to look in the mirror and I just want you to say one thing you like about yourself, even if it's your fucking eyebrows. I like, hated this task that you set me. Yeah. It was the most painful thing you yeah. could have asked me to do. Because yeah. having to say something positive, it, I just found it yeah. virtually impossible. Yeah. Well, I can't even remember what I came up with in the end. Is it my eyes? I don't Probably know. your teeth or something. Yeah, it was your eyes. Ridiculous, though. <laughs> because, like, your body is insane. But it's... um. I don't, again, this is down to sort of mindset and lots of behaviour change issues and all sorts of much wider issues that we'll cover, I'm sure, in, in future podcasts. But when you are in that negative mindset and that sort of constant spiralling, it is so hard to get yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, and so for, for me, one of the, the biggest changes was increasing my education awareness around some of these issues and yeah. mainly around mindset um that's been the biggest change having yeah. someone and again i know it's it's going to be in our interest to, to advocate this but seeking professional advice yeah. so going to a nutritionist when you are stuck in the sort of rut that i was stuck in it was the biggest most well spent money i've ever mm. i've ever made best decision ever was just to get someone to challenge your way of thinking yeah to question well why is it that you have these such strong-held beliefs about this stuff. Yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah. It's a very uncomfortable process to go through, but my God, is it worth doing? Yeah. It's like... It's the whole kind of almost Pavlov's dog thing, like, of... And I always think of, you know, you keep getting... You ring a bell, you get hit on the head. You ring a bell, you get hit on the head. Something like that. Like, that's the that's the experiment. Um, you, you don't... You're not prepared to do the hard work... Mm. And if you're not prepared to do the hard work that's really uncomfortable, you might as well just keep hitting yourself over the head with yeah. a mallet because mental health and diving into your mindset is difficult. Yeah. And key long-term behaviour change and challenging long-held beliefs is really, really yeah. tough. Incredibly and it opens, it has the potential to open up a lot of trauma, a lot of long-held um, issues around family, around, you know... Um, 
traumatic events and it's it can be really really damaging but it's not until we learn to sit with these uncomfortable emotions and these uncomfortable feelings and challenge our own behaviors that we can actually really unlock these things Mm. and if you're struggling that much with your weight that it's making you deeply 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 unhappy Mm. not even struggling with your weight because you might be in a you know in a physically healthy body and in a physically healthy weight but if you are struggling this much with your mental attitude around food and the pressures you're putting on yourself and feelings of guilt and shame and you know limiting self-worth and limiting self-belief and you're actually it's consuming you then the the best thing that Nikki and I would suggest is that you just go and get some help and that unfortunately is outside of the realms of what we can do but I would definitely suggest reaching out to some kind of mental health expert or therapist to unpick this stuff um because it it runs deep it runs deep um and it it does go further than just maybe the odd google search reading you know a celebs account of how they shed the pounds and yeah and and believing everything you read yeah it's sometimes you you've got to delve a bit deeper yeah um how many times did i you know flick through whatever health magazine and go oh that's this that's the solution that's yeah. the quick fix i've been looking for yeah there's the magic pill yeah and just believing whatever because yeah. you, you're so desperate to find a yeah. solution that doesn't involve months and months and months of hard work yeah. we all want a quick fix yeah sadly it doesn't exist that and like you've done it as well seamlessly mate links on really well to our last point of nutrition mistakes that we've both made caring too much about what other people think and that comparison to other people um and if you're like those feelings of comparison can be crippling like absolutely crippling like take yourself back to being in that changing room trying on that wedding dress you know that should be the most magical moment for you should have been but again all i'm doing is comparing to the skinny bird next door exactly who looks gorgeous and everything but she might have had her own like issues around her own body and worried that you know she looks too thin and she looks too frail or she might struggle to put on weight like you never know somebody else's story and I think let's start with just comparison to others and how that can be damaging and then I think we'll come on to caring about what other people think Mm. and how this manifests itself in us because that's quite interesting I think but that comparison to others I see it all the time like especially as well we've noticed this as we get older I mean I'm 36 you're 46 but even comparing ourselves to the bodies we had 10 years Mm. ago that's ridiculous never mind comparing ourselves to the bodies of other people who are 10 to 15 years younger than us yeah. it's like that's that's completely wasted effort completely yeah. wasted effort like and even in your own head when you start dieting you have an image of what you think you're going to look like it's completely wrong you're not going to look like that because you have no idea what your body looks like when it is slightly smaller Mm. just like you have no idea what it looks like when you are slightly bigger you might actually look better when you're slightly bigger like you just don't know so that comparison particularly if you're comparing yourself like nick said to social media images which are usually um highlighted doctored filtered Mm. Mm -hmm. um photoshopped or you're comparing yourself to others that are at very different life stages to you Mm that's absolute bonkers mm. like you're just like damaging yourself mentally yeah i mean i i cannot deny i had a good ogle on the beach uh off marbella looking at all the body beautifuls yeah and of course the ones i'm picking out are the young 20 year olds 
in their little string bikinis and I'm looking on adoringly thinking oh if only okay good luck to you in 20 years <laughs> you've chucked out two kids and you know you've had a you know 20 years of stress and whatever whatever yeah. it's not comparing like for like yeah. and so so I think you have to get to the stage where you go I'm just wasting my energy here yeah. I'm never going to look like that yes I can admire a lovely physique like yeah. that it's just it, it's not achievable Unless I'm willing to go on some awful, god awful, heavily restricted, mm. you know. But even then, it's not achievable. No, like even so then, you're never going to look like that person no. because again, they're genetics. Yeah. And also, I, you know, I'd love for you to be able to get to this point. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if you ever would without somebody else saying it to you. But also, lie on that sun lounger and go. Yeah, you look great, but I've had two fucking kids mm. and look at me, I look insane. <laughs> like, you know, considering what your body's been through. You know, yeah. bodies go through trauma, they have stresses, they have scars, you know, but they heal and they're amazing, mm. you know, yeah. and they bounce back from so many different things. So, yeah. The, the, that, the other thing, obviously, we, we do when it comes to comparison is looking at, or you, you a friend of your, yours comes along who is, you know, maybe been through some sort of transformation, shed lots of weight, whatever, whatever, and we suddenly jump on, oh, what is it you've done then? How have you yeah. done that? And because it's worked for them, we just naturally assume, oh, that'll work for me then. I'll give that a whirl. Yeah. Um, as is the level of desperation that you're in at the time just to shed a bit of body fat. Um, just because something has worked for somebody else or a celeb out there does not mean to say it's the right thing for you to yeah. do. It will potentially not fit in with your own lifestyle, your stresses, your working patterns, yeah. your family situation. Everybody is different. But we are all guilty of it. We look to someone else who has achieved what we want to achieve and we go, ah, that's the secret. They've got the magic pill. Yeah. Yeah, they've got the magic pill. Like, And also, like, we... This is really harsh, and I know I've said this before. Like, we're not special. Mm. Like, it's not that... And I'm being really blunt here. It's not that you can't lose weight because XYZ diet hasn't worked for you. It's because you haven't stuck at it. Yeah. Everybody can yeah. lose weight. Unless you've got some underlying health condition, like you, everybody can lose weight. You yeah. are not special. If you stay in that calorie, like calorie, oh my God, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm hungry, actually. That's what I need to do. If you stay in that calorie deficit for long enough, you yeah. will lose weight. Yeah. You really will. Yeah. Um, what are the more, I, now, again, the way I look at it now is what's the more impressive transformation? Is it the transformation that's taken place over a fair period of time and it's been maintained yeah. over the long term? Or is it the, oh, yeah, yeah, you shredded for, I don't know, six weeks, but actually, come Christmas, you're looking bigger than ever. Yeah. It, so what's more impressive? 100%. I think for me, it's that it's the, what's been sustained over the, the long term. The maintenance. It, for me, it's just somebody that's managed to improve their health and yeah. actually wanted gotcha. to do that from a place of actual self-acceptance and just wanting to be a healthier person and if coming in a smaller body if being in a smaller body means that they're healthier then that's great you can have plenty people in smaller bodies that will literally just eat a pot noodle and a pizza a day and they are very unhealthy you know so small doesn't necessarily mean healthy um like this also links into like caring or frankly giving a shit what other people think Mm. and we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Whether that just comes with age as you give a think a, give a shit a lot less, yeah. which I think is partly true. Um, but that like we've both been very guilty about going out for dinner and feeling judged yeah. of what we're eating. Um, I think I come from maybe a different place 
to you because I eat quite a lot. I have a very large appetite and I like to eat. I don't like to, but quite often I do eat past the point of fullness, but I enjoy eating a lot of food. I'm not really sure where that comes from. I have a big appetite. I've got a lot of muscle to maintain, so I'm okay with it, but I do judge. I I do feel like people judge what I eat also because I'm a personal trainer and I'm in good shape Mm. they think oh you just must eat salad or you just must eat chicken rice and broccoli or when they actually see me out for cheese and wine and eating brownies I think they think well you can't do that all the time yeah actually I do but I also do a lot of the other stuff Mm. a lot of the time Mm. I do a lot of the other stuff more of the time than I do that Um, so it's focusing we focus a lot on what people care about what we're actually consuming whereas actually it's none of their fucking business and I know you've kind of you've had the other problem really haven't you you like you're quite fearful of people seeing you eat I always and this goes back years and years and years always hated eating in public Mm. whether it be stood at you know my working career I used to have to um, go to receptions uh, drinks receptions quite a lot and they'd hand out canapes and I'd had a full day at work and then I'd be standing at a social event uh, in the, back in the day graduate recruitment days I would be having to you know do the small talk um, try and recruit newbies to the business and they'd be handing out little canapes the classics where you just should you know one pop in the mouth job done um, and yeah I'd had full day at work and I'd be starving hungry and these these canapes would be handed round with you know chardonnay whatever's going on and I would refuse every single morsel um, because of the embarrassment or the judgment or the, oh God, what if I drop it down me? Wait, you know, not just that, not the vanity of it, but that I can't be seen to be eating that stuff. Um, and the same went for in the dating world. I used mm. to I used to hate the idea of going for dinner with a guy yeah. and a guy watching me eat yeah. for fear of, well, what's he judging of my food choices? You know, yeah. should you be eating that? still to this day I do not like being seen eating in public I'm fine with my family now obviously but it's just a something that doesn't sit comfortably yeah because I I it automatically makes me second guess what I should have on my plate and how much of that plate I should be consuming yeah and how many glasses of wine I should be drinking along with it all that sort of thing fear of judgment why do I care what yeah. total random people think yeah. of what I'm consuming? And yet, as you say, it's highlighted coming into this industry. Um, it, it, yeah, definitely. You're, you're even more acutely aware. You tell someone you're a personal trainer, they instantly do the up and down. Yeah. Really? Oh, you're getting this now. Oh, I love this. Gosh, yeah. Head to foot. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the company that with being yeah. seen eating something less optimal. Yeah, yeah. The judgment's there. Yeah. I even had it on when was it Sunday I did a climbing course a learn to climb course uh, highly recommend by the way it was so much fun we need to talk about oh that. yeah we haven't talked yeah, about it I learned to climb that. well you can come with me you can come belay for me yeah it was oh, so good I love it. oh my god I loved it have you done it before oh, I've done bouldering there oh, yeah and I have done one quick yeah yeah, yeah. I learned to climb so I can take people now because I know what to do you can do the belay yeah I can do the belay oh, I can tie god. knots it's oh great I'm going God. on Thursday I'm going on Thursday if you want to come it. let me love know it. it's brilliant yeah I love it so much so yeah I learned to climb but I even had it there like met someone we were on a course with like five other people like mentioned that I was a personal trainer actually specifically wore a t-shirt that covered my arms as well because I didn't want my body commented on mm. and um, then had a salad for lunch because 
I had bought a massive Greek salad from Costco and a chicken and I stripped the chicken and I just threw it together because I knew it was going to be easy, absolutely delicious and I knew I was having pizza for dinner so I wanted to balance that out. Mm -hmm. So I had a salad for lunch. Oh, well, you must... Uh, and this guy next to me was having a cereal bar and he was like, oh, you probably don't eat shit like this. I was like, oh, mate, if only you had any idea. <laughs> any idea. And like, I, I don't want to get into the conversations like that. And that's probably a reflection of how he was feeling about eating a cereal bar, not a reflection on yeah. me. But again, don't comment on anyone else's body unless it's invited or asked for. Yeah. And don't comment about what They're people eating. are eating. God, yeah. It's just fucking rude. Yeah. And stop caring what people are thinking about you because yeah. if that person is going to lie on their deathbed and think oh yeah what that blonde haired lady mm -hmm. at, at that restaurant was really really disgusting mm -hmm. then screw you yeah. like i've got more important things to worry about yeah. it's no one's damn business yeah just enjoy your bloody meal yeah <laughs> no yeah. one really is watching either. no one really you're not is that watching. special you're not that special well, i am i'm really special you're special <laughs> You're special to me. In a different way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's pretty much covered it. Our five top nutrition mistakes. Yeah. So just to have a quick recap. Too restrictive with calories. Cutting out those whole food groups or demonizing certain foods. Placing too many rules and restrictions on your diet, which makes it a pos impossible to adhere to because it doesn't fit within your life. Too much focus on the scales and that weight-related progress. And then number five, that comparison to others or genuinely just giving a shit about what people think. Yeah. And we have been there and bothered, you know, been far too bothered by all of those aspects. Yeah. And probably, as, is, as we said at the outset, some of this will always resonate, will always stick with us. But every day you, you just fight some of those deep rooted issues you yeah, have with this stuff. Just keep yeah. working on it. It's not going to go away you know, some of these behaviours are learned over years and years and years. It won't go away overnight. But just being aware of some of the practices you might be uh, using in your life that just are not serving you. And yeah. I think that was the biggest wake up call for me is looking at it and going, right, has what I've done over the years, has it brought me to a place where I'm happy with my body? No, it hasn't. Yeah. Therefore, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And yes, it took a long time. But yeah, got there in the end. So... Just yeah. maybe just having a bit of an, a, a re-evaluation of where you are. Yeah. Love that. Sermon over. Sermon over. <laughs> I think we, that wasn't a sermon. Well, this could, this thing, so many of oh. these issues could go off into multiple 100%. directions. And we will delve into these at separate points. And we will get a little bit more niche about any of these things. Um, especially if anything, anyone would like us to get into anything a little Definitely. bit more. That'd be awesome. Um, okay, mate. You're a PT, but... What oh, did you do? There's so much fodder for this <laughs> two-week holiday. Um, okay, I've got two words for you. Lay's crisps. Oh, in Spain they are the best. What flavour did you have? Oh, I think every flavour going oh. at some point. Um, I am not even much of a crisp eater. Yeah. They're not my go-to, but if a share packet is open, then, oh my Christ, there's no stopping me. But they taste... Different, different when you're on holiday well a lot of things taste different on holiday yeah. frankly i had a watermelon that if i'd have bought a watermelon in sainsbury's you know today well first of all you've had to remortgage your house to be honest well, but that, yeah <laughs> but it wouldn't have tasted the same as this melon yeah. i had just absolutely amazing but the same applies to crisps yeah. when you're on holiday and you open a packet of lays yeah. oh my god you're in trouble 
and it was even though it would have been you know we'd just come back from a restaurant having had an amazing meal I feel stuffed as hell one of the boys would get a packet of Lay's out and then that was it head first what was your favourite flavour? probably probably salt and vinegar salt and vinegar yeah I like the ham too heavily yeah salted or vinegar it's it's a nice I like the the crinkle cut ham on ones that you get aboard Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 great Amazing. And, you know, that's just tip of the iceberg. Yeah, of course. That'll do it for now. Yeah, share bag of Lay's Crisp. Mine's quite slightly more disgusting, and obviously food-related because it's a nutrition podcast. Um, I'm a PT, but my partner makes the best Yorkshire puddings in the world. He's northern from Yorkshire, so he makes amazing Yorkshire puddings. So much so that when I moved into my flat, he bought me a muffin tin so that he could teach me <laughs> so I could make Yorkshire puddings. So we made, he made a roast dinner when we were on holiday and um, made Yorkshire puddings. And the next day when he'd gone out, I was like tidying up the kitchen before I went out. I got a cold Yorkshire pudding that he'd left very kindly for me because he knew that I'd wanted to eat it dipped it into the thick cold gravy that he'd left in the pan on the side and he makes the thickest gravy it's like it's like honestly it's like custard like dunked it into the gravy and oh devoured it in like two bites two massive dunks of gravy cold two massive dunks of yorkshire pudding oh sensational sensational i'm disgusting and and like when he got like when we like when we had dinner that evening i said to him i was like thank you so much for leaving me that yorkshire pudding he was like i knew you wanted that i was like oh my god like so good so good no i can get the cold yorkshire pudding but cold great but you can't have it on its own it's dry well to be fair i could have had it as like a pancake or something french toast but yeah it's so good i was up north it had to be done it had to be done went up north went up north yeah so that's minging that's minging i also didn't train for a week so maybe we'll talk a bit more about rest days and mm. stuff another time. So, whereas, yeah, I did my usual, trained pretty much every day. Yeah. Bar travelling days. Um, but improvement on previous, limited, capped myself yeah. in one hour. And as mm. soon as the hour was done, I was out mm. enjoying the rest of family time. You're good. Also, for the seven days I was away, I had the worst sleep that I've had because I drank every night. Uh, same yeah. here. Yeah. Same here. And I know this is... We'll go on to a boot. We'll do. A we'll do pod. a booze pod. Yeah. The disruption to sleep. Yeah. Is horrific. Yeah. And I knew that's what I was opening myself up for. Yeah. My the wo- hell, I was on holiday. Are you on holiday? It doesn't matter. My worst recovery on my whoop was seven percent. My whoop was literally like you're practically dead. <laughs> like you need to. You go need to, to just bed. go. To, you need to just. Oh, it's the anxiety and like the yeah, the definitely. beer fear and the like the heart racing from yeah. just having too much cheese, wine, whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Like I had the best time. Well, the absolute best time. But it. yeah, that's great. That was great. No, we hope those stories leave you with a little bit of peace. Anyway, <laughs> um, as always, if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover on the podcast, please let us know. We are the most imperfect PTs, and we would never want to be any other way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, thank you so much. That was so fun. And Nick, anything to thank finish with? Thank you for with? listening. No, um, as Amy said, appreciate any feedback um, that you've got, and we will get planning yeah. for our next pod. Yeah. And also, like, we appreciate a lot of that is quite deep um, and forces you to go into places that you might not have necessarily thought about before. If you do need any help with any of those things, please reach out. We do have our contact details in the show notes. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Imperfect PT Podcast. We hope you take away something positive from listening to our experiences. If you did, and know of others who would benefit from hearing our message, please share and help us grow our listening community. Remember, whatever seemingly imperfect actions you might take this week, it doesn't need to derail your progress. Celebrate the wins and embrace the imperfections.